There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hello there, movie truthers. It's Michael Leader here with another one of these after hours remote recorded truth and movie specials so far we've had david jenkins on the dad pod we had hannah woodhead talking about how to find what to watch during this lockdown period and today i'm so pleased to be talking to sophie monks kaufman sophie welcome to the show thank you michael how on earth are you well i'm 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 holding it pretty well given the circumstances it's very strange isn't it how are you doing well i am due less sympathy because I'm not caring for a a tiny person um so I'm really doing okay I um I I think I'm even do like not doing well per se but like as well as one can in the situation really I I got very lucky and this is an opportunity to bang the drum for the ALCS um they collect small amounts of money for authors that can actually add up and I got a like frankly obscene windfall just when this all began so I'm really under I'm under no financial pressure at the moment and I've actually got the time to be working on a long-form project which is giving some meaning to my days and some pleasure to my days Oh, that's wonderful to hear. I'm, I'm glad you're doing well. Have you been undergoing any other projects? Have you been bettering yourself or taking up new hobbies? Any other projects in film viewing, etc.? Um, I am doing my daily Duolingo. Le chat, okay. le garçon, uh, le garçon est à Paris. Um, but that's the boys are in Paris, I think. So, yeah, I'm doing my daily Duolingo. I'm not putting on too much pressure on myself to watch certain films. I'm just seeing what urges arise. It's almost a hard reset of my tastes. I'm also reading more, and I'm actually finding catharsis in quite confrontational books. I just finished reading yesterday Albert Camus' The Plague, Mm -hmm. which, even though it's, it's, like, a very brutal thing to read because it's about a city that is totally closed off to the outside world because the plague has run amok. Um, And the arc that the story goes through is quite familiar. In a way, it was actually very cathartic to read such an unflinching account uh, of a situation that is even worse than this corona pandemic. Um, in certain ways so I don't know and and I guess I'm tunneling down into my deepest interests 
What about you? I mean, how, what's childcare like when you're working from home? Well, I'm, we're very fortunate. I think I mentioned this in a previous episode, but my partner has been furloughed, so she's able to take the brunt of the day-to-day childcare. I pop up in the mornings and the evenings, sometimes lunchtime, and then the weekends we, we split. But I'm still full-time and, and more so on the day job and the various other projects I've been working on. But it's it's tough, but I know friends who have both partners who are still trying to work from home full-time with more kids, kids who are younger, older. We're fortunate that while Ivo is at this 18-month stage of being very hyperactive, every day he's learning something new, new obsessions, new tantrums, new ways to both enthrall us and drive us up the wall. At least we don't have to worry in the way that some of our friends or people we know, you know, as acquaintances who have kids who are older where we have to actually supplement what would be education full time we just need to keep this guy entertained and fed um, so it's a, a very different but yeah. what's amazing I think with every episode of these we've been recording there's, he's been he's, he's, uh, his taste in CBBS has been changing so even though we had the dad part with David to begin with um, where we talked at length about what our kids have been watching on CBBS on telly now Ivo's gone through maybe three or four refreshes of what he requests and what he wants to watch. Right now, just as an update for any faithful listeners, he's really into Yolanda's Band Jam, which is a um, sort of the CBB's take on the Jules Holland live music show, where the host, Yolanda, is a saxophonist who fronts a sort of jazz-funk combo, and every episode they explore an area of music with the help of a special guest and it may be the person with the largest collection of recorders in the world or it may be Maximo Park <laughs> and it's a bizarre show that seems to really work in terms of looking you know showing how exciting playing music together can be and it's actually been chiming quite well with how I've been during this lockdown period where I've not been watching many films I, of course the day job has been keeping me working on films and working around films but I've been reconnecting with my love of music I'm very much indulging in uh, Discogs.com their marketplace, reaching out to independent record stores up and down the country, record store day was this weekend just gone and I wanted to buy a few records from them just to make sure they were supported and you know made to feel loved and I've got a steady stream of new records coming in it's been a re- real great way of reconnecting with other interests so films don't, don't often get a look in within all that. <laughs> but it's interesting, Sophie, you mentioned how you're not watching films, you're not forcing yourself to watch films, you may be not looking for confrontational films or films that are challenging you. That's the topic or the mini topic of this episode. You've written a piece for the Little White Lies website that may be the start of a new series which is looking at comfort blanket movies could you tell us a little bit about your piece that's going to go on I'd love to and I'd also really love to hear from listeners about what their comfort blanket movies are and I think you get the idea from the name and it's pretty much accurate but I guess um, it's worth clarifying if if you work if your work is around films then you can end up watching films for so many different reasons You know, you can end up watching them for intellectual knowledge-based reasons, to fill gaps, um, 
you know gaps in your scholarship you can you can watch them because you're curating experiences for family and friends um but then sometimes you just watch a movie because it it feels like coming home and it's that familiarity as familiarity aspect that is so comforting and i've you know i'm speaking to you now uh, like i have I've, i've stopped counting the days that we are that I'm into it both in my personal social distancing because I started doing it probably a week before the government announced it um so I we're so deep into it now that I have adjusted but in the initial few weeks I was very deeply unsettled and um that's when comfort blanket movies really made themselves felt because it's like a way of feeling something familiar when you feel quite alienated and life feels so strange and um so yeah so that's my kind of (laughs) wonder around the houses way of explaining a comfort blanket movie just it it feels familiar when everything else might feel strange it is soothing it's it's unchallenging which can often be a critique that people in our line of work could issue at a film but actually sometimes you really don't want to be challenged you just want to be held lovingly Mm. in a film's caress and that is what music and lyrics does for me, which is the film that I have chosen to write about for Little White Lays. So music and lyrics is Hugh Grant, right? I've not seen this film. Oh, Michael, you have got something to come. I am confident in saying that you have got something pleasurable to come. <laughs> Could you give us a little short pressy of what this film is? Is it a rom-com, right? Oh! Oh, isn't it okay yes it's a rom-com that is the genre that it is in but it's also a really top tier entry into a genre that doesn't really have a catchy name but it's like a genre where there are made up um pop bands and musical acts so actually it's sitting happily in your area of interest at the moment because it's just got such exactly. great made up pop acts so Hugh Grant plays this character who was in a very successful 80s pop get band and he was a heartthrob and he did this little move with his butt and he had amazing hair and the film opens on the full video to one of this band's greatest hits. The band is called Pop and the song is called Pop! Exclamation mark goes my heart and um it's just so good it's 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 like it could just be ripped from the 80s it's it's like it's not it's not got that wink in it it the whole thing is just so sincere and committed to that aesthetic um all the edits are so cheesy all the looks are so cheesy but it's pure commitment um so but this so this is very much in the past this is in the 80s the film came out in the um early 2000s and who's big at that moment in time is this like britney christina hybrid called cora no surname played by Haley bennett and her musical numbers and videos and performances because she performs at madison square gardens are also done really really plausibly well cora's whole shtick is she's really into eastern religion um but of course she's just appropriating the uh, aesthetic elements of it and there's like a giant gold revolving buddha on stage at one of her performances so um the film is it's a rom-com but it's also like absolutely no expense or detail has been spared to render these 
pop creations that are just literally created for the movie, but to make them feel totally plausible. So can you think of a name for that genre, whether in the film world they make up celebrities? It's not a mockumentary. It's just a music world, industry-based romantic comedy. It's a, that's There isn't a genre. You need to pen that genre. So yeah. Cool. Well, maybe that can be another lockdown project, seeing as we don't know how long this is going to last. But certainly fictional bands, fictional musicians, are, you know, they're ten a penny in, in films. Often some of the great films I think people do return to. One film that comes straight in my mind is Blues Brothers. That's a film people go to time and again. They love the songs, they love the, the comedy, they love the the hijinks, the cameos. That's a film that people go and revisit. I have a strange feeling I, I don't necessarily have a comfort blanket movie that comes to mind when when we were talking about this episode, for example. I couldn't think of one. And I wonder what so you mentioned the familiarity during strange times, but just Doing the maths, this isn't a film you would have seen as a kid. This is a film you would have discovered as a young adult, I imagine. Yeah. So is it nostalgic? Is it tied to a certain time in your life, certain people in your life, maybe? Or is it something that's just pure the film and what the film does for you? Well, it's very late. I'm very late to the party. I only watched it for the first time last year, and I loved ah. it so much. But then it, it... So it's like a real... It's been a um, whirlwind romance, Um I, basically, the first time that I realised that it served this purpose for me was I got really, for me, involved in canvassing for the Labour Party during the election. And as such, I was very depressed by the crushing defeat. And I I just couldn't really, like, for a, for a, a couple of days, I just couldn't really do anything. I was so depressed. And... Then I watched music and lyrics again. Actually, I watched it twice and I felt joy again. Um, And I was like, huh, this film has powers. It really connects with me. And again, I should say another specific element of the Comfort Blanket movie is nothing really objective. It's not like an objective quality. It's like the way it works on you. It's like the, the powers it has to personally bring you comfort. So it could be something really unexpected, like if you're trying to think of what yours might be. For example, I was actually conflicted uh, uh, between... Initially, I was like, will I write about music and lyrics for this series? Or will I write about a totally different film? Um, Calvary. <laughs> um, with, oh. Yeah. A um, very different type of film. Yeah, I mean, ca- Calvary is harrowing. Um, but it, it's got that kind of... Com- I, I also take comfort from things that are actually very confrontational and Calvary confronts um, the like the sins of mankind that are absolutely irredeemable Um, you know for the plot of it for people who haven't seen it is it's like a week in the life of a priest and at the beginning uh, and the priest is played by Brendan Gleeson who is so good and at the beginning of the week in the confession booth, a parishioner comes to see him and tells the priest that he was abused as a child and that by a priest and that what his vengeance is going to be is to be not to kill a guilty priest, but to kill an innocent priest. Um, so immediately it like sets out its stool. It's about 
you know, trauma and corruption and all these huge subjects. Uh, and again, I, I, I <laughs> it's, it's, it's crazy to f- find comfort in that. But I think when you as a person or we as a society are going through a moment that is very terrifying and out of our control um for me there's some kind of weird cold comfort in also embracing works of art that exam like actually examine not necessarily that exact situation but just an equivalently brutal situation because you're like oh i can see this i can face this um so yeah that's the Mm. other end of the spectrum very it is the other end of the spectrum but it's interesting point of view on this i wonder if that's almost the itch that many people were scratching when so many people were watching Steven Soderbergh's Contagion a few weeks ago. There was suddenly this spike of interest in that film being one of the few modern-day disaster movies that's a viral epidemic. And I, I, I watched that. That's one of the few films I've managed to watch in the last few weeks. And I remember at the time it getting mixed reviews. Some performances in the ensemble had better notices than others. Are you thinking and... about Jude Law's weird Julian Assange-esque oh accent? My gosh. Of all the bits of that film that have aged well or not aged well, that's the bit that seems so 15 years ago the, in, in its tone. We don't have those bloggers anymore. Often they're within the media or within our governments. They're the people who are... Uh, spouting the conspiracy theories or shaking up society it's not the people on the fringes necessarily anymore are they so that it was a choice it was good to see Jude Law stretching his muscles a bit <laughs> but what surprised me about Contagion was um, so many of the unsettling things about this epidemic and the experience of it weren't in that film because it's the mundanity and the sharp shock of the upset to your everyday routine of closing down, locking down, self-isolating, social distancing, mm-hmm. going from simple things like commuting into the office, seeing people every day, going to buy your sandwich at lunchtime or whatever it is you do in your day, and then really diminishing that to just your immediate household surroundings. That was not present in Contagion. Contagion almost from one scene to the next went from everything's okay to social order has completely toppled over and Matt Damon's fighting for scraps at a you know at some food trucks. There was one moment though um that actually I, I kept replaying in my head because I too rewatched Contagion. You and I mm. both assisted that spike. But it's Matt Damon's daughter who he's protecting right. at all costs and she has a boyfriend who Matt Damon is not allowing her to see. And it's a scene when she's just texting him from the bed and she's just talking about how time has no meaning anymore. And that character, you have a sense of being really stuck and bored and these milestone moments have been rubbed from her as a teenager. And one of the sweet moments as well comes from when Matt Damon actually, he decorates the front room for her is it like a sweet 16 or like a prom or something? And Mm. then the boyfriend is invited round. So that actually felt like it echoed with this moment, people having to let go of rites of passage that they might have taken for granted, but then 
also on the sweeter side people innovating to recreate some semblance of that moment um you know i've just seen i i was very touched by uh i don't know if you know catherine wheatley she's wonderful she she teaches at king's and she's a great writer uh i was really touched by this facebook post she did where she was she just said oh we went to byron and i looked at the photos and she'd drawn all these byron she's got two kids um I think they're like in the single figures, but older than Ivo. And it was just pictures of all these menus and all her kids had these menus. And just like, we took it in terms of being waiters and on their Byron menus, on the drinks, it was like fruit, shoot, water, squash. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, mate, that's sweet. That is sweet. That is very sweet, actually. And that's actually a little detail in Contagion that is quite moving and reassuring but I think I suppose what was most reassuring was just realising that cinema will will never really approach the creeping mundanity of this sort of a situation cinema will always have to try and collapse it into a hot box of two hours of narrative and so there's something reassuring there that it doesn't suddenly turn into War of the Worlds the Steven Spielberg, Tom Cruise, War of the Worlds overnight, where we're all rushing to uh, topple over cars and fight over guns and scraps. There's something there that I found quite reassuring. And that's exactly what you're saying. I was watching a film that was very much confronting me with Hollywood's worst view of what could happen to us. A film that six months ago people looked at Contagion as being a feel-bad movie because it's a film where, you know, the, the biggest stars in the world can die any moment and it happens over the course of the film and Kate Winslet's death is actually something that resonated with me because it, I watched it probably the week they started talking about the Nightingale Hospital and converting the NEC arena or the GMEX arena in Manchester into these pop-up hospitals but life isn't a disaster movie I suppose is the thing to come out of those films thinking Yeah, it becomes your benchmark and you you go I thought about it when I was shopping I was like fantastic they've still got avocados they didn't have avocados in Contagion we're doing okay but (laughs) Contagion also introduces us to the R number which is actually a quite crucial new piece of language that we have you know like how many people would the infected person pass it on to Contagion is all over the R the R number Mm -hmm. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Contagion Calvary at one extreme, music yeah. and lyrics being another. Do you have any more on the music and lyrics side if we're trying to crack the code of what those films do, if I'm trying to find my own? Yeah, well, I, I, um, I've really been going into the erotic thriller genre. That's really been right. helping me out. Um, okay. Yeah, and not necessarily good ones. It's irrelevant if they're good. I watched Disclosure, which nobody could describe as good. Uh, I watched Indecent Proposal, which is mm. a ride. Um, I also had a like mini James Spader season, which just involved me watching Sex, Lies and Videotape, Secretary, and then Sex, Lies and Videotape again. So I think... I, and then I started watching another James Spader film that was on Netflix called Dream Lover. It's him and Madchen Amick of Twin Peaks fame. But it was ex- extraordinarily bad and I was compelled to stop watching it. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I think also I, I, a little erotic frisson. Like all the, the juicy pleasures one can find in the movies I am responding to at present. That's that's terrific. So it is foregrounding the pleasure, maybe. Mm. Are you engaging with these critically? Are you thinking about the sort of outdated sexual politics or maybe in some of the transgressive sexual politics of theoretic thrillers? You know, this is a genre that has swung in both ways on the pendulum uh, in terms of critical appraisal and reappraisal. Or are you just enjoying that slimy but attractive James Spaderiness of it all. Oh, slimy but attractive James Spaderiness of it all. Say that again, Michael. This could become another of my comfort blankets, just you describing James Spader. Um, but also the, the erotic thriller is, is, is such a fascinating genre, isn't it? It's such a time capsule of 10, 15 years where those films were made and you have people now who just can't fathom that this was popular cinema that adults went to see. And other people who can't fathom where this wave has gone, where are the erotic thrillers that we deserve? How do you feel about erotic erotic thrillers, Michael? Do they comfort you? I I wouldn't necessarily say they they comfort me. It's not necessarily genre I turn to, but I do. We I did very recently. I, I believe maybe even for this podcast a few months ago rewatched Showgirls, which is for some seen as the point where that erotic thriller boom broke. But also, my day job is working as a commissioner for the BBC Inside Cinema Strand. And my colleague Catherine Bray did a piece on the history of the erotic thriller, which was like an eight minute long video essay that looked at the roots of the genre, the giddy pleasures of the genre, but then also how, where it might have gone. And her thesis is that it went to television because once mm-hmm. HBO and then HBO alikes, Um, allowed nudity and more extreme content than they could beat cinema at its own game so you'd then have not necessarily erotic thrillers but erotically charged genre fiction like Game of Thrones or Spartacus Blood and Sand you don't necessarily have the erotic thriller but you can get your kicks with those 
your, your, your sort of cheap you know thrills with that those describes sorts of what i'm doing michael i'm trying to get cheap kicks and thrills <laughs> it's good it's working i suppose i i if i had more time and inclination and energy to be watching films I probably would be going to that pile of DVDs rather than the pile of things I've always meant to watch. Um, I have a box set of Godzilla movies that I'd love to get around to watching, or Jackie Chan movies that that are all just absolutely wonderful to go and return and rewatch because there's that just absolute joie de vivre in the stunt choreography that's what I'd go to the, the probably the films for me that are closest to comfort blanket films although I, although saying that they have become almost too much of my work life as well as the Studio Ghibli movies you know, I also host this podcast Ghibli Attack and we had these tweet-alongs of My Neighbor Totoro and Kiki's Delivery Service which are two of Hayao Miyazaki's most popular films and sort of family friendly films that have these reassuring messages and just absolutely you know heart-bursting moments of magic and beauty and wonder they are films I could have on any second of the day, revisit have on, go and do something else and come back but even when I was a teenager I'd have friends who would have films that they just put on in the background and go about milling about their business but for me I'd always want to sit down and watch the film end to end and maybe that's something that's stopping me from finding this comfort blanket because you could easily just have the comfort blanket there in the background rather than as in, in the foreground as something you're watching. Do you have to watch every second of music and lyrics? or? Well, you know what? I think hearing you talk about those films, it was like hearing myself thinking about music and lyrics. So mm-hmm. that's an equiv- definitely an equivalence. No, I don't have to watch it all. I would like to. I would be content to but I I dare not tell you how many times I've simply watched the opening video, Pop Goes My Heart. Um, I'll happily dip into that. Uh, I'll happily watch any, watch any scene in it, just to get that little sensation, um, that joy, yeah, that joy de vivre, as you say. So maybe that's the quality they possess, joy de vivre. That's true, and that's, could be part of your Duolingo diet for the day. Yeah. <laughs> wow. There you go. Everything is connected. Wonderful. And that's the other thing that um, you just reminded me of when you made that connection to Duolingo. There's the, it's it, there's something about the uh, the interior world speaks speaks to itself. I don't know if that makes sense. The interior. There's something about the interior uh, logic of the film world in a comfort blanket movie that corresponds to your something in your interior logic and I don't mean to say that you know I too am a thwarted 80s pop star but there's just something in the way that the the rom-com unfolds because I've not even mentioned that Drew Barrymore is in it and she's you know she's the she's the rom-comic foil to this now quite jaded character played by Hugh Grant um, but there's something about the way that their romance unfolds, which is really, it's based on writing a song. They have to write a song together. He does the music, she does the lyrics. And it's a creative endeavour. And they he's, it's not like, oh, he sees her and she sees him and it's all this, like, sexual elements. It's like, no, they're colleagues, creative colleagues. And then it comes 
the uh, the love comes in the process of that and I find that comforting the idea that that's how romance works and um, I'm not going to stand here and say that music and lyrics is some kind of like radical treatise on love no it's very silly and the romance is concocted but even but within that uh, that it's logic I find very lovely and you know would that I would have the opportunity to write a song for Hugh Grant I'm sure you could do that from your from your den in the <laughs> lockdown <laughs> listeners I'd love to hear if you have your own comfort blanket movies um, whether they are ones that confront us with things we may find difficult or things that just comfort us in these moments I, I some two friends of mine last night I saw on Twitter they were watching the 80s TV movie Threads which is not a film I would watch right now but maybe that's an extreme example let us know if you have the softer examples. I know a lot of people I saw on, on Twitter have been watching Local Hero that was on Film 4 recently. Paddington, the Paddington movies, is a recent example of a very cosy film that's good to just wrap yourself in. And the film with Brendan Gleeson, although I think he gets out of Paddington 2 a bit in better state than Calvary. Mm, yeah. <laughs> he is great in both films, though. That is a joining link. I think he's somebody that if you have a comfort blanket actor, I think Brandon Gleeson would be one of them. Listeners, please let us know about your comfort blanket movies, whatever they may be, and particularly if you have figured out the genealogy of what makes a good comfort blanket movie, you can do that at, at Truth and Movies on Twitter, at LWLies on Twitter as well, the comment section, lwlies.com slash podcast, or truthandmovies at tcolondon.com. Sophie, it's been such a pleasure talking with you and connecting with you during this strange time. Thanks so much for talking with me. My absolute pleasure. I found this talk to be like a comfort blanket, both a confrontational one in places, but ultimately a sweet, poptastic one. Oh, fantastic. Thank you, Sophie. And listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. Hope you're staying safe and sound. Speak to you again soon. But in the meantime, cheerio. As always, this has been a 7 Digital production. Goodbye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.